everyone. I'm Kirsten Moorfield. Welcome to People Are Complicated, a podcast produced by Cloverleaf, where we dive into all the ways that people are complicated at work and how you can turn those moments of tension into deep relationships and work that makes you proud. Stephanie Licata, welcome back. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy for you to be here too. Last time we got to do this in person, this time you are not in town. You're back at your home in New Jersey, right? Yes, that's right. Awesome. Well, Stephanie Licata is, uh, she heads up coaching and working with coaches for us here at Cloverleaf. So she coaches coaches. Um, Mm -hmm. And we are going to talk today, we're continuing our mini series on the Boss to Coach playbook. We're going to talk about the hard stuff today. We're going to talk about hard conversations, performance management conversations, and motivation, motivating employees. So Stephanie, let's start out with the hard one. Why wait? Let's just dive right on into difficult conversations as a new manager. No one wants to have unpleasant conversations in general in life. And especially if you're a new manager and you're in a work setting, it can be really nerve wracking to have to talk about, you know, constructive feedback, to have to explain that someone did something wrong or made a mistake and can be really nerve wracking for a new, a new leader and even for a seasoned one as well. Yeah, I think it's the hardest part, really. Yeah. I actually, I guess there's two hardest parts. I think navigating difficult change and hard conversations. <laughs> and, and often the conversation is worse in our mind. Our anticipation of it is totally yeah. much worse um, than the actual conversation. And so that's part of what makes it hard is we like psych ourselves down, <laughs> right? From mm-hmm. how hard we think it's going to be and or how we're not going to be able to say something or we anticipate what they're going to say or do and Yeah. And so different people avoid conflict for different reasons. You know, some people are just conflict avoidant because we are. (laughs) Some people it's because we're worried about hurting someone's feelings. Some people it's because we just don't want to spend the time on it. We don't think it'll go well. Or, you know, there's a bunch of different reasons. What, What do you think is really deep down underneath that for people? Why do we avoid these challenging conversations? Well, so the first thing is, you know, if we're sharing something, if we're delivering some kind of communication that's challenging or constructive, right, we're obviously concerned with people's feelings. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but it, the context of the relationship matters. So, for example, if if the leader and the and someone on their team already has a little bit of a contentious relationship, right, or maybe they don't see eye to eye, then the difficult conversation can be perceived as a personal attack when it's not, right? So mm-hmm. the, the listener, you know, adds their own piece of, you know, whatever their interpretation is, right? And so the context of the relationship definitely makes a difference. Uh, and so if um, it, like you, you, it's easier to have a difficult conversation with someone who you have an evolved trusting relationship with. So mm-hmm. if that trust isn't there, if that basis of trust isn't there, then it can be it can be a big challenge. So it's it's partly about who we're delivering the communication to and what the relationship is and then what the fallout could be. Totally. And then also with that is what if you just don't really have a relationship established well yet, period, right? Like what if you're new to the team or they're new to the team or you know, you just hired them and you're already noticing like, hey, you're showing up to minutes to meetings a few minutes late or something right. where you're like, I should probably bring this up. It's a little uncomfortable. It is. It is. But it's all about the first sentence. It's all about how you start the conversation. So Ah. if I come to you and I'm like, 
Kirsten, like, why are you always late? It's different than mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, Kirsten, can I talk to you about something? Oh, sure. Like one of the things mm -hmm. I've noticed is that you've been arriving to, you know, some of our meetings late. And I, I totally get that, you know, you're, you're really backed up right now. We're really busy time. What support can I give you to make sure that you can be there on time? Right. So it's, it's really about how you start the conversation that will determine how it goes. Is there that, I mean, that was a really good example. Is there a favorite sentence starter that you have for particularly challenging conversations? Um, one of the things I do like to say upfront is that there's something I want to talk to you about, but I want to get your perspective as well. So I'm letting them know in the beginning that they will have a voice, right? And mm -hmm. I'm saying, hey, I'm just like compare notes on this, see what you think, mm -hmm. here's my take on it. And it's, it's, it's creating a level playing field from the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I like mm -hmm. that. I, I also, um, appreciate in, in what you're talking about, you're assuming that there's another side of the story. Like you're mm -hmm. not like, oh my gosh, why are they late? They're always late. That's what a terrible <laughs> thing. Or like, Hey, I told them to get this done on time. I told them to do X, Y, Z by this time. And they didn't, or, you know, mm -hmm. like we can, easily default to they weren't listening or they don't care or you know like some kind of a judgment right which i think is is tied to why we don't like we avoid it because we don't want to hurt people's feelings because like subconsciously we kind of are like judging their character which oh, of course God. comes off as an attack right <laughs> no absolutely because we know that if we actually said what we think they definitely would get their feelings hurt right so yeah <laughs> Partly is like we know what we what, what we're thinking and what we want to yeah. say, and, and we could yeah. be wrong. Remember, yeah. the brain does not register assumption versus truth. Like, okay, what does that mean? So, if you have a thought, unless you consciously question it and say, "Is that the truth? Is that what's so?" Your brain registered it as Kirsten is habitually late. If that's what I think. But the truth could be Kirsten is having a challenge on a project and someone's taking advantage of her and she needs support with creating boundaries, which is causing her to be late. Right. So mm -hmm. you, I don't know that information. I said what I said because I'm giving the person the benefit of the doubt. I am assuming that I don't have the full picture. And mm -hmm. often we immediately assume that we do know the truth and our brain doesn't say, hey, wait a minute. That might not mm -hmm. be so ask a mm -hmm. question, right? So mm -hmm. as a coach, I'm coaching myself. That's why I'm doing that. So, but we have mm -hmm. to kind of consciously do that with ourselves when we're, mm -hmm. when we're talking about difficult things. Gosh, that's such a good perspective. And it really comes down to, we should, we should be humble and um, question our own assumptions and like innately be intentional to see all of our people as valuable, especially, you know, like the ones where it's not easy to see them as valuable because they're really different from us or they're doing something that we think is wrong, but we don't know why, you know, those types of relationships, instead of letting it go to the norm, what like culture would persuade us to do, which is like, just, you know, write somebody off or cancel them. Right. right? <laughs> but like actually say like, maybe this isn't that you're just the wrong fit for the team. Maybe there's something else going on here. I want to approach this with curiosity, seeing you as somebody who's really valuable, regardless mm -hmm. of what your behavior was. Right. Which That's is hard. a challenge. It's a challenge for leaders because we live in a world of like or dislike. Mm -hmm. So 
we don't like not feeling like we like someone, right? And the reality is someone might remind us of our like, you know, annoying sister or whatever. And so we, we, we collapse that, right? We then we don't like the feeling of, I don't really like this person. And we have to get out of that construct as leaders. It's not about, you're not supposed to like or dislike people. You're just mm. supposed to speak the entry point for which you can empower them, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to almost put aside, it's, it's at that next level of like, like or dislike isn't actually as important as, can I connect with this person to empower them, even if I wouldn't socialize with them outside of work? Mm. To empower them. Yeah. But what's, w w expand on that. What's the outcome of empowering them? Why is that the motivation? Well, because ultimately, if they are empowered on my team, even if we're not each other's cup of tea, right, we've achieved mm -hmm. something, right? We've gone beyond the, we've gone beyond, like, like you said, what socially we would, you know, feel if you didn't like someone in, in your social circle, you might not hang out with them, right? But you're kind of forced in these situations if you don't like a person on your team. Um, and it's, it's about how can I empower them and how can I challenge myself to find something about them that I can promote or that I can um, highlight, right? Because you have to be thinking about their contribution to the team as a whole, not just your relationship to them. So if you can find a way that you can empower them, even if you both don't, again, jive so well, then they can actually still be engaged in their job, even if they don't have the, the kind of relationship they might like with you. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something that I'm thinking about that's related but different to what you're saying, but kind of related to what we were talking about earlier with we, we, we tend to want, like naturally judge people and be afraid, you know, if we really said exactly what we were thinking, of course it would sound like an attack. I have this running joke with folks around, if I hear somebody say, I mean, she's a good person, but it's like, Oh, you're, you're like, you're getting at subconsciously, you understand that you're upset with them. You're, you're judging them, but you're trying not to judge them, but you don't really like them, but you do like them. You know, it's like this tricky, like knot of emotions we can have around people because <laughs> people are complicated. Yeah. So, they absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, you were talking about empowering people and, you know, when we really empower people well, they can do their best work. Right. And that is ultimately best for everyone on the team, including yourself as the leader, because then your team does best. Right. So let's that's a perfect segue into motivating our people. Why? Why do leaders need to motivate their people? Why aren't people just motivated on their own? They got a good job. Just show up and do a good job, right? Why do we yeah, motivate I mean, people? Look, fifty years ago, nobody asked that question. They were like, "You should just come to work and do your job, and that's why I pay you." Like that's that whole, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that whole framework, right? Um, part of it is is that the 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 environment is uh, contributes the environment that the person works in contributes to how they will decide to give their effort, right? And so ultimately in any, in any kind of construct about motivation, we want people to give discretionary effort or to go above and beyond, right? So mm -hmm. when people are very motivated, they give their reserves, they give part of their reserves. Now we don't want them to drain their reserves, but they go sort of above above and beyond, right? They don't do what that, that new thing, quiet quitting, right? Quiet quitting is like, I come at nine, I stop at five, 
Don't ask me anything after. I don't want to hear from you. Right. And so that's usually a non-motivated person that's not really quitting, but not really engaged. Right. Which is a good percentage of the workforce, unfortunately. Right. And so we want people in their mind be people that think of, hey, if I did need to do something extra, like I would do it. And it's not that it's every time or every night I'm working late, um, but maybe if I did need to come in for an early morning meeting, sure, absolutely, I'll come in at 8.30 if that's what's required. It's a little something above and beyond, it's nothing extreme, but when people are motivated, they are more apt to give you some of their reserve with as long as it still creates a healthy boundary for themselves and their lives. And I think with that reserve too, it's not just about time of day or hours. It's also about when you're here, even if you have, you know, really strict boundaries for your personal life, when you're working, how engaged are you in that meeting where you're trying to solve a problem? Are you just Mm -hmm. sitting back listening to people and not really thinking much about it, ready for lunch? Or are you like fascinated? You know how you can provide value. You're Mm -hmm. excited to be able to to work on this with the people around Mm -hmm. you. Are you truly motivated? (laughs) Do you feel energized by the work you get to do and how you uniquely get to contribute to it? Absolutely. And, and are you, are you growing, right? Or Mm. are you just like in the status quo? Like, are you professionally developing yourself and growing in your role and your knowledge and your ability to apply what you know, are you growing or are you stagnant? Right. And people that are engaged want to grow. They want learning uh, and development opportunities. They want different experiences that are going to help them grow, not just to climb any ladder, but to have themselves feel continually more energized so you don't get bored. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in the playbook, we actually talk about a couple of specific ways around motivating people and development opportunities is, is definitely one of them. You know, how do you help somebody become motivated for their overall career? Like, how do I grow here? How do I grow myself? Like that is just intrinsically motivating to people. Um, We also talk about just in the day-to-day work, how can an individual leader get to understand what will motivate this person? What types of tasks are energizing to them? What things are they really interested in? Because no two people are exactly alike and it's actually better if you can figure out, okay, this person is interested in X, Y, Z types of challenges. So when that comes up, I know I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna tap them and ask them for their input versus I know they really loathe doing this kind of work. So I'm gonna try to avoid that if I can, if there's somebody else on the team who can cover that. You know, you can't always perfectly craft a job around somebody's preferences. Absolutely. And I, well, first it's literally about asking them, right? You do have to ask them, right? Mm -hmm. So I manage a team of coaches right now and I'm having sort of end of the year conversations and I'm asking them what would help them be a better coach and, Mm -hmm. or what do they want to see happen on our team? Right. Mm -hmm. And some of that brings, that naturally brings out what people want to contribute Right. So sometimes you just have to ask them, you have to leverage the one on one meeting cadence that you have with people and make sure that you are regularly checking in with people about their ideas. Make sure there's room in team meetings for people to share their ideas. Now, you may not say yes to every idea, but you can put ideas on a parking lot and say, hey, you know what? We're going to look at that next quarter. Thanks for bringing it up. We're just going to put it here. We're going to revisit it. And Mm -hmm. pay attention to how what people step forward for. Right. So pay attention to what do they volunteer for? 
look at their facial expressions, like when they're, you know, when they're kind of like turning off or when they look at look at how they're engaging in a conversation, pay attention to what people bring energy to physically, right? So you have to do that observance. And if you are a remote team, uh, you have to work a little harder that, harder at that, right? You do have to go and have more of those direct asks if you're not going to be seeing people and physically as often. Um, so you've got to ask people, you've got to observe what people are, um, what people are putting their energy into, what they're volunteering for, what they're stepping forward to do. And a combination of what they, what organically happens and what you solicit from them will help you understand what's important to them and how you can motivate them. Yeah. And, and even like how they approach their work. Like I'm thinking of two different people that I manage who just approach work totally differently. One of them is like, hey, just give me a week. I'm going to learn absolutely everything and I'll have all kinds of diagrams and information. And the other one is, hey, can we just sit down for 30 minutes, throw mm -hmm. spaghetti at the wall, and then I'm going to run fast after what I think might be the best thing, you know? And there's mm -hmm. different problems to solve where I want one of those one of those preferences, one of those like just knee jerk ways of working and getting to know that about your people is so helpful because actually not knowing that about your people can create some of this conflict, right? Like mm -hmm. it can create a need for difficult conversations. If you notice that you're like spaghetti thrower is thinking, what is the diagrammer working on? Like, I'm not seeing any spaghetti getting thrown over there, you know, <laughs> and your diagrammer could be thinking, oh my gosh, there's a ton of spaghetti. Don't you see how messy that is? Like, <laughs> and, and you have to know, like getting to know these things about your people not only helps you motivate them, give them the right work, but it also helps mm -hmm. you to like, coach your whole team on understanding and appreciating mm -hmm. the different strengths that each people bring and when to tap into each other and yeah. ask each other for help for different skill sets, which aren't hard skill sets. They're just like how people's brains work and are naturally mm -hmm. wired. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of that is a leader has to be consciously observing, right? Yes. And has to yes. coach themselves to consciously observe because- yes. If you are just doing work, if you are just managing managing people and you're not observing the process, environment, the culture, you're not observing that and, and allowing that observation to influence how you lead, then you're leaving data on the table. Like you're leaving mm -hmm. valuable data on the table that people are serving you up that is free, right? It's free yeah. information for you yeah. to develop your yeah. So, yeah. And, and to especially new managers listening, if you're thinking, my goodness, how much pressure, that's so much I have to pay attention to and learn and think about, but I also have to like get work done and, you know, all these other new challenging things. It, it, it's something that I would encourage shouldn't be received with a lot of pressure, but just uh, something to have on your mind and be observing over time, you know, and I think conflict when conflict comes up is actually a great time to recognize these things. Like, why is this person approaching this situation this way? That always gives you insight into, okay, how does their brain work? And now it builds an understanding of what they love, what because what they loathe is a sign of what they love, right? It's, right. The, it's mm -hmm. the inverse, right? Mm -hmm. And you can just over time start to build this understanding of all your people and it will actually remove so much work and emotional effort mm -hmm. in the long run for everyone on your team, the more you can understand everyone's deep down motivations. Oh, yeah. And, and as leaders, we just have to make sure that we are also engaging in enough reflection of, mm -hmm. of because sometimes that data comes to you all day long and you're, you can't mm -hmm. process it. 
So you've got to just be able to ask yourself at the end of the day, like, what did I notice about my team? What did I learn? Like, you have to be able to do that self-reflection and and store that information somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed for me often, like, it, it's the thoughts that will pop in my head as I'm falling asleep, because that's the only time in my day I'm not distracted. Or sometimes when I'm driving, I'll just turn on, like, classical music to just let my brain think and and those things will pop up where I'm like oh yeah I I am kind of concerned about that I do want to talk to that person about that or oh yeah that person did crush it there I'm gonna totally let them know like just voice to text they're in the car like Mm -hmm. hey text so and so blah 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 right like um we do that's a really really good call out and something I think is really counterintuitive that as leaders you actually need to build in silent white space to just think right and let those let those thoughts percolate it's not always about just getting done even though I want to I just want to get right (laughs) no that's why I have 466 notes hanging out in the iCloud because that's what I do I'll grab my phone I'll be like remember this thought do you ever go back and so, visit those? That's a lot. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll be like, I'll remember and I'll search someone's name and I'll find it. Like I have like an encyclopedia of like reflections and things I have to follow up with that are in there. Like I'll think about it at the same time at night and I'll just grab it. Um, and, you know, whether it's feedback or an idea or something that I've observed about something that's going on that I want to capture because those moments are fleeting. And if I don't capture it, it won't happen. So, wow, 466. I would just yeah. be intimidated by that amount. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So, we've talked about challenging conversations, uncomfortable conflict conversations. We've talked about motivating. Let's talk about performance management. This is our last topic of the day. And it's only a bajillion dollar industry, how much work and tools and thought leadership and so much effort around performance management and so much loathing around the processes. And it's just like, oh oh my gosh, performance management, so much to be said about it, but it actually shouldn't be a, uh, a task you have to check off or a process you have to go through once a year, once a quarter, whatever right. your organization sets up, it should actually be an ongoing mentality for every mm-hmm. leader, which again is not, I don't mean to should and say you should right. do more, but, but it actually is something that if you can hone your thought process around it, it will really set you free. It will really set your people free to do their best work, which is best for everyone on the team. So Stephanie, Talk to us about how should we think about performance management? Okay. So first I'm going to tell you how not to think about it. And then I'll tell you how to think about it. So the first thing is that not to think about it, like you said, it's not event-based, right? So it's Mm -hmm. not an annual thing. And the second thing is, is that it should never be a surprise. Mm -hmm. So a performance evaluation or conversation should never be a surprise four weeks later. Right. Mm -hmm. So part of effective performance management is giving feedback in as much as real time as you can. Now, obviously, you can't always give feedback in the moment. It might not be appropriate. You're in a group setting, but you have to deliver that feedback in in a timely fashion so that when you do get to a performance type conversation 
uh, that maybe again is more of an annual process. There, like every company has their own process, right? As many companies as there are, that's how many processes there are. This is an area that I've worked deeply in for the past five years. I've gone into companies and ripped apart their process and helped build them a new one. And and the key to it though is you cannot have a, a, a performance management process that is built on straight up evaluation, right? It has to be through creating the relationships between leaders and their teams. And there has to be a construct for that. Now, I am biased about this, but what I say that is, is that you have to give your leaders coaching skills because performance management really should be performance development, right? We're just managing Amen. people's performance, right? It's got to be about performance development. How can I develop this person to perform at their best such that it serves yes. them, our team, and the organization, right? Yes. And so we have to give our leaders coaching skills and we have to give people tools and learning that is coach-like in nature so that they have a container for some of these thoughts and some of this development. Absolutely. And what, you know, what's running through my head is this is so much of this playbook that we are doing this mini series on because so much of it is how to be a good coach, how to have challenging conversations, how to give good feedback, how to ask good questions, how to be an active listener. All of those skills feed into what culminates in performance mm -hmm. development, which is right. sometimes hard feedback. Most of the times it actually should probably be positive feedback. Hey, you crushed right. this. You're really good at this. How can we find, are you interested in more opportunities in XYZ? Should we look for this for you? Mm -hmm. What do you want to take your career to? You know, it should be, it should be a, a lot more positive than critical and ways that mm -hmm. you need to get better, right? Focus on the strengths, not the weaknesses, and you'll get so much stronger. Right. Um, and, and a lot of that is of course not a one time or, or event based thing. It should be in the moment. It should be after they led that meeting that you shoot them a message and say, you did great in the way that you did a, B and C. Thank you so much for taking mm -hmm. that on so that yeah. when that time comes, when they didn't do something great, you can have that basis of trust, like you were talking about a few minutes ago, Stephanie, so that you can say, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about, and I want to make sure I get your perspective too. Mm -hmm. I saw that XYZ happened. It created ABC outcomes. It wasn't a good outcome. Talk to me about what you're thinking here, right? Like that's a performance mm -hmm. management conversation, Absolutely. and it should be happening weekly, All really. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. If you're not having regular scheduled conversations, I'm most most organizations will create a structure where you're having some kind of regular touch point, but it's mm -hmm. those touch points have to be just as transformational as they are transactional, right? So it can't just yeah. be pushing the tasks around or mm -hmm. checking in to see if something's done. It really mm -hmm. does have to include some relationship building, some development, you know, it has to include some of that. Uh, and when it does, then it creates a balance. And then that's when you're managing performance on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I read something when I was probably 24 years old that has just stuck with me ever since. And I've probably talked about it on other episodes, but um, it was a really short Harvard Business Review article that was like, hey, when you're giving feedback, don't do the feedback sandwich where you're like positive, negative, positive, because mm -hmm. then they only listen to the negative and they never take your positive seriously. But instead, say, hey, here's why I want to invest in you. 
And mm-hmm. so here's the, the, the area where I see you can get stronger. And mm-hmm. I, that just, I love that because while I don't always start every constructive conversation as I want to invest in you, like ABC, mm-hmm. you know, I don't say that, but me as the leader having that mentality mm-hmm. and the person I'm leading really trusting that that is my motivation, that I actually want mm-hmm. to invest in you. I want you to grow. I know where mm-hmm. you want to take your career. I know what matters to you in this role. I know what excites you. I know what is hard for you. I know what relationships are challenging for you and draining to you. And I know, you know, I know these things for you. And mm-hmm. therefore, there's a way that I see you can strengthen and I want to help you there. So I'm going to give you this feedback. And when somebody knows that, it's not it's not a, a a defeating conversation. It's actually an upbuilding conversation, even if they don't feel good about it in the moment, right? Because there are hard things that we all need to grow in, and I I want I want the challenging feedback right back from my people. Like, mm-hmm. hey Kirsten, the way you did X Y Z made me feel this way. And it's like, oh shoot, I'm so sorry, right? Like we should mm-hmm. it should be an open two way street because that really mm-hmm. builds the trust where they know you really are there to invest in them. You really are there to help them get to their next best level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. I love that. I love that um, approach of what you just mentioned of why I want to invest in you. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in order to get there, right, to be able to say that we have to go back to the beginning of what we were talking about, about motivation, we have to know why we want to invest in them. So if we really want to manage performance, we have to sort of almost master that motivation piece. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to be able to have the difficult conversations. And then when you Mm -hmm. can do those things together, you're actually managing performance. It all comes together, Stephanie. It all comes together full circle. (laughs) It all comes together full circle. (laughs) All right, Stephanie, well, is there anything else that we have not talked about that you would like to cover? Just that it's so important. You know, it's very easy to dismiss um, some of this um, in the name of busyness. So I just want to encourage organizations, leaders like this everything we just talked about and the capability that we just talked about needs to be part of job descriptions. And mm-hmm. it needs to be part of the job description needs to include able to motivate and uh, and understand what motivates your team, you know, able uh, to deliver courageous feedback, right? Um, interested in innovative ways to manage performance. Like these things should be part of job descriptions so that when we are elevating leaders, we are putting the right people in the right seats. Yeah, and so that leaders understand this isn't just a good concept, this is actually required. Mm -hmm. This is how I am viewed as successful in Mm -hmm. this role. I am Mm -hmm. as successful as I can make my people. All right, well, Stephanie Licata, thank you so much for joining us again here on People Are Complicated. And we have just one final episode coming after this on the final three chapters of the Boss to Coach mini series that we're doing. If you haven't yet downloaded the playbook, go to cloverleaf.me, download that playbook. It is super practical. Stephanie mentioned a couple of her favorite sentence starters for challenging conversations. There's even more and so many more tactical, practical, helpful tips in that playbook. So I highly recommend you go download it. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Thank you so much.
See you next time. That's all we've got for you this time. Thank you for tuning in to People Are Complicated. I'm your host, Kirsten Moorfield. If you are enjoying this podcast, please tell your friends, leave us a review, help more people find it because we believe that we're all human and we all can grow from a better understanding of ourselves and each other at work. So if it's helpful to you, please help other people find the podcast. Tune in next time as we dig more into the tensions we all experience at work and how those moments can guide us to actually having better relationships at work and doing more impactful work that we're actually proud of. We believe that every team can love working together, including your team. So go to cloverleaf.me to sign up for a free trial where you can have unlimited teammates, take free personality assessments, and see how those assessments turn into daily coaching nudges in your inbox to transform the way you work. Thanks, everyone.